And welcome back, sports fans. It is another awesome episode of Coach Hess's Sports Corner. I am your host, Coach Hess, and with me again, as always, my awesome, awesome co-host, Mr. Brad Croston. Brad, how you doing, sir? I'm doing very good, Donnie. Thanks for having me back. No problem. Well, you're one of you're one of the better people I know. I, th- I thought it's almost perfect to keep you on, sir. Uh, Thanks, man. No, not a problem at all. So let's hop into it. Another awesome week of sport. We'll hop into our game plan. And um, I don't mind being repetitive. I don't mind going back and forth because this is always nice. We'll go through our game plan of we'll always hit our favorite college basketball. The, the madness continues, and it's not even March. We'll hit the pitch and go to the football. We'll talk some of the great topics coming on, including some dynamite news coming out of a few different countries out there. We'll hit the ice and talk some NHL. Unfortunately, COVID is deciding to rear its ugly head. And then we'll go to the most anticipated part of the entire week. I have to say it, Brad's crazy stat of the week. And he he smiles as I say that. Always oh, good. Oh, I, I've got I've got a decent one. We were kind of talking about some stuff off camera, and I'm going to kind of kind of go off of a couple of things that you were saying off camera so it'll, it'll be nice it'll be nice seeing your response to this i cannot wait sir i cannot wait let's hop into the first section of the game plan college basketball and sir another absolutely amazing game another amazing week of basketball including your beloved oklahoma sooners having a little bit of history over this week. Uh, um, kind of your thoughts on the fact that I think they're the first team to have four wins over top 10 teams um, in a long, I can't remember what the stat was. I mean, can you remember it? Yeah, it's so we're the second team in the last 25 years with three top 10 wins consecutively on the trot. So that in itself is crazy. And then considering the one that we had a little earlier in the, in the month as well, uh, it, it did kind of suck that we had a little bit of a slip up against Texas Tech on Monday. But yeah, I mean, I think this really goes to show that at least defensively, Oklahoma is hanging in there with the best in the country in terms of playing defensive basketball. And they were, they had enough offensive firepower to win those three. They kind of, they kind of went to, went to sleep against Texas Tech, but it, it's, it, it's really going to show that I think that people are sleeping a bit on Oklahoma. I mean, one of the things that I kind of see when I watch the Sooners is the type of energy and the type of commitment by the entire team to play defensively as well as offensively. And and I was saying this to my to my brother while I was watching the game against Alabama on Saturday. I was like, I wish Iowa could play like this. I, I wish that Iowa could play with this type of ferocity on defense because – I think that if if certain teams like Iowa or like any other teams with high powered offenses could play defense the way that Oklahoma does, I think they would be so much better. Because I, I mean, we'll kind of talk about Iowa a little bit later, but they're really just it, it's kind of looking a little bit like a one dimensional team. But with Oklahoma, they've been able to go both ways. They've been able to play elite defense and be able to play very very high level offense as well. And so Oklahoma, they're they're not out of the they're not out of the the woods yet. They have a couple of really big games coming up, but they are really hitting their stride, and I think they're hitting their stride at the right time, and it's really paying off, and it showed off in the in the last rankings. 
definitely for sure. I mean, rocketing up from the mid twenties into the top ten is definitely well deserved. I mean, they they've played amazing basketball. I got to watch their game this weekend against Alabama, and I was thoroughly impressed against it. An Alabama team that I th- I think is is starting to see a little bit more of the love that I think they've, they've deserved uh, with the style of basketball they're playing. And Oklahoma just really played so well at home. They they took Alabama out of their comfort zone. So so this Oklahoma team is definitely going to be a threat um, if they get the right draw in the NCAA tournament. And, and who knows? I mean, they've still probably got they still got a game with Baylor coming up, and Baylor has occasionally looked a little little vulnerable um, to some of these teams. We would definitely definitely see um, going off of that. I mean, I got to talk about it. This weekend we had the SEC Big Twelve Challenge, and I was. Very, very impressed the um, the evenness between these two conferences in these games, and the fact that you had some wins that were surprising. You had some wins that were were really, really good. Um, was, was there a game besides the Alabama Oklahoma game, which I know you probably watched? Was there a game that you thought was was kind of the epitome of this Big Twelve SEC challenge? Well, I, I thought that Florida going into Morgantown and knocking off a West Virginia team that many people had thought were really, really up there in terms of being able to compete on a national level, Florida going in and knocking them off by five. I mean, that was a really close back and forth game. I mean, there were there were very few times where it looked like any one team had control of this game. There were a couple of momentum swings and a little bit of cold stretches, but I mean, really, they, they were going neck and neck all the way from start to finish. And I think that that was one of the, one of the better games of, of the SEC Big 12 Challenge. I thought that that was really, really nice. Yeah, I, th- I think for me it was almost – it was a little bit more of the surprise factor. It was the fact Texas Tech had so much trouble going into Baton Rouge and coming out. They, 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 they escape with a five-point win in LSU. But, but to see Texas Tech have to kind of scrap back late was definitely one of those that I think it was more of the surprise factor in that game for me. It was, it was just that this Texas Tech team is really, really good. But I think there's a little bit of a – I think LSU kind of surprised them a bit. Well, and you want to talk about surprise factor. How about Tennessee beating Kansas by 19? And we, we've talked about Kansas not being a threat this year and being a bit of a pretender. I mean, they got run out of the gym. I mean, this game was not close. I mean, they, they were consistently behind. They could not get a good solid stretch of momentum going. And Tennessee just had pedal to the metal the whole way. And there was no point, especially in that second half, where I was just like, oh, here comes Kansas. Oh, they're going get, to get a bit of a momentum shift. No, it was Tennessee literally the entire way. Definitely, for sure. And that I, I had kept an eye on this game, and I was hoping Kansas would keep it competitive. This would be one of those games where Kansas finally kind of saw that they needed to kick it in gear, and they just – did not show up. I was I was thoroughly shocked at the scoreline there for a bit. I was just like, is the real Kansas going to show up? Or are they just going to kind of malaise their way through this? And I think that was that was kind of hard to see. That I think Bill Self Bill Self has got issues. I just don't know where to start. I don't know if it's if it's getting better starts to their games. If it's if it's motivation. If it's I don't know. I, I I cannot put my finger on why this Kansas team with so much talent is is finding ways to lose games that, quite honestly, they should have been much more competitive in, in this basketball game. Exactly, and I think that that's one of the most surprising things about the whole thing is that we don't know. I mean, there there's 
there's a couple of things that we can say about certain teams. Like, like for, for example, I, I hate to bring it up again, Iowa and talking about their defense or other teams and not being able to play offense or whatever their case may be. I mean, it's just a, it's just a combination of several things. And I think Kentucky's kind of seeing this thing too in the SEC to where they, they cannot put anything together themselves. And, and it's, it's weird seeing all of these big name blue bloods that we've historically talked about as being the Kings of the Kings of the Kings of the court. And now to see Kansas now ranked 23 and Duke outside the rankings, North Carolina outside the rankings, Kentucky outside the rankings. I mean, it, it's really kind of shocking. Definitely for sure. And then what was it? Um, you know, ESPN loves, loves to talk about whenever Duke and North Carolina are playing and the fact that I think this is the, I saw a stat out there. I can't remember what it was. They said, this is the first time North Carolina and Duke are both playing each other this year that neither is ranked since like the sixties. It is absolutely insane. And I don't know. It's there's just something about this season that I, I, I can't put my finger on it. I don't know if I thoroughly love it. The fact that you're seeing the distribution of talent to the point where many of these blue bloods, shall we say, are, are struggling. I mean, the thing that we go, we go back to Saturday, we were talking the SEC Big 12 Challenge is the fact that Kentucky, Texas did not play because of COVID issues in the Kentucky program. So not, o- not only can't they win or, or they're struggling there for bits, but the fact that they can't keep on the, on the court. This is... I don't know. I, this 2020 is a rollover into college basketball, even in 2021. And it, it is almost spectacular to see just the utter. Kind of like what you were saying, ma- madness. And it's not even March. Yes. Madness. And it is not even March. Um, I don't know about you, sir, but let, let's roll back a little bit. When, it, when a, a local team that we, we both, uh, we both keep an eye on quite well. Um, I, I got to bring, I got to bring it up. I can't not, uh, ignore it Iowa with another tough loss and another game against a winnable team in Illinois um, if you're Frank if you're Fran McCaffrey yes you just you pulled you squeaked one out against an okay Michigan State game yesterday are you a little bit concerned that this team is so fragile I'm not a little bit concerned I am very concerned I mean I mean we, we, we've talked about this a couple of times before, but it's just the, fa- the fact that Iowa has not been able to really put together the type of game you would expect to see time and time again. I mean, yes, they had good wins against Maryland. They had good wins against Minnesota and Northwestern. But those are games that, in all fairness, you would expect them to win and win fairly easily. Then they come home and they lose to an Indiana team that you should, that you really, no offense to Indiana, but you have no business losing to them. Mm-hmm. And then you have a postponed game against Nebraska, and then you come back and you go on the road to Champaign, and you have a, it's a tight game the whole way, kind of like what we were talking about with, with the one from earlier. But when it's just really frustrating, Donnie. It's it's something that you would really hope that at some point the Hawkeyes will be able to figure out and start being able to consistently string these types of wins that we need them to have together. And luckily they're going to have a couple of those, especially tomorrow night, they're going up against Ohio state at home and 
that's going to be a really need to win game. And they're going to have a couple more big ones against Wisconsin and Michigan, mm-hmm. but the, you're, you're lacking the quality wins here. Like, like there, there aren't the big, wow, eyebrow raising type of wins. I mean, the closest one that I could think was the revenge win against Minnesota when they were ranked 16, the, the tight win that we squeaked out over Rutgers when they were 14. Other than that, I mean, they, they hung in there a bit against Gonzaga. They, they beat North Carolina, but there, there have been several games that you would expect them to win easily that they haven't won or play closer in and end up losing it. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna don my super serious coach's hat here, and and I'm going to say stuff. And, and again, for for the Iowa faithful that listen to this, I, I'm I'm very honest. I I have watched this team all season. I have said it. I said it before the season, and I said it in the middle of the season, and I'll continue to say it. Iowa defensively under Fran McCaffrey will never win or never be a legit team. He is not effective enough on the defensive side of the basketball to win what is expected. This team is talented, yes. This team can score, yes. But this team cannot defend for their life at times. And unfortunately, it rears its ugly head at the most inopportune times for this team. Legitimately, as I look at this Ohio State game coming up tomorrow, I'm concerned I am almost, I mean, to use a a comment I've said before, I'm almost hitting the panic button right now because that Michigan State game yesterday was atrocious. My brother, I I heard my brother yesterday, he was was complaining. He said, we can't guard a parked car. No, we couldn't park. We couldn't park. We couldn't, they couldn't guard right now a park bench right now it's absolutely atrocious and this ohio state team is athletic they move the ball well they've got undersized forwards which luca garza should have a field day but can luca garza guard them if they take him out and try to take him off the dribble will be the biggest question i'm i i've said this new and actually i was listening to the texas baylor game yesterday and dickie vital went went on it went on a rant that luca garza is is a second round he's a he's a late first round guy Dickie V, I've watched Luca Garza his entire career. If you think Luca Garza is a first-round draft pick, I have land in Southern Florida to sell you. He is not. He is foot speed too slow. He can shoot, yes. He's smart, yes. But athleticism is the name of the game in the NBA. You can get away with a lack of athleticism in the collegiate game if you have the size and strength that he does. I love the kid. He's a hell of a player. He's going to have one heck of a college basketball career. NBA, I am not going to hold my breath unless he drops about 30 pounds and picks up at least half a second to a full second of foot speed. He is just not quick enough. That is me being honest. I cannot unsee what I see. This Iowa team right now, I am worried they're going to get in and they're going to get beat in the first round or the second round. They're not even going to make the Sweet 16 because they are vulnerable to three-point shooting teams and teams that can take them off the dribble. Well, and then what you also have to take into account is once you get into March Madness, I mean, it's in the name. 
madness mm-hmm. and chaos and upsets galore. And if you get if you get against a team and and we we like just we like to talk about it a lot, but like the Florida Gold Coast, Florida Gulf Coast, Monmouth, those teams that they they get hot and then they can ride their the energy that they themselves create. You, you get Iowa in a position where they're they're starting to force shots. You got guys like Bohannon trying to shoot from pretty much half court, and then you're then relying on Garza to get down low and score when he's getting triple teamed, and then forcing him to to put up 35 points just to stay in the game. That's when Iowa gets into trouble. So th- there's a lot that that has needed to get sorted out that hasn't gotten sorted out. Mm-hmm. So I, I love my Hawkeyes. Please, please, please start winning again, get better or else the, the, it's going it, to, it could go downhill very quickly for Iowa if they, if they don't turn it up a notch. I mean, tomorrow's a make or break it. Honestly, if, if they want a big, if they want to still have a chance to win the Big Ten, they cannot lose tomorrow. They lose tomorrow, it's over. There is no possible way Michigan is going to lose four games for them to even have a chance to win the Big Ten. I'm sorry, that is fact. Michigan is too good, and if you lose to an Ohio State team that is on fire, that is inferior talent wise, you do not deserve to win the Big Ten. I'm sorry, Iowa fans. That is honest, honesty at its best. You win this game against Ohio State, you have a shot. You lose it, pack up any chances you have to win the Big Ten and start getting ready for the NCAA tournament because you aren't winning the Big Ten. I'm just going to be bluntly honest there. Now, now that I've had my rainy day parade on that, I got to go to it. We'll go to a little bit of a nicer story for an Iowa team, and and I got to talk about it three undefeated teams left in college basketball and it's crazy we have a connection to all three we have the baylor bears in the big 12 which your beloved oklahoma seniors love i have been a gonzaga fan for many many years i love coach few and his system and the way he runs everything i i thoroughly want to see him get there And in our own backyard here in Des Moines, Iowa, the Drake Bulldogs are the third and final undefeated team. So I got to ask, Brad, are all three, can all three go undefeated in the regular season and go into the NCAA tournament undefeated? And if not, who? Who will be the first to fall? And how many of them will make it? to the NCAA tournament undefeated? I think Gonzaga will get to the tournament undefeated. I I think that – I hope I'm wrong here, but I think that Drake is going to pick up a loss at some point, Um, especially going on the road to Northern Iowa. In-state rivalry game is always tough. Um, You you always have the potential to one day not – just have a one day not – not show up at all. Um, I, I think that it's likely that Baylor will drop one just because of the fact that they're in a crowded big 12 and they have to go on the road to Lloyd Noble center to play Oklahoma. They have to play Texas tech, West Virginia twice. 
and Oklahoma State, all all four of those teams, they have to play consecutively in in their next five games after TCU on Saturday. So I think that Baylor will pick up a loss at some point, although they're still going to be extremely dangerous going forward. I think they're they're in a class with with Gonzaga all their own. Um, so I, I think that Gonzaga right now they they have no reason, even if one day they they show up and they have a they have an ice cold day from the field. I think that they're still elite enough to where they can they can win those games even when they're not playing well. Um, I, I hope that Drake is able to go the whole way, but I, I don't see it. But I, I don't know. What do you what say you, Donnie? Okay, so I've watched each of the each of these teams. Drake is the only one that I have not had a lot of eyeballs on. Um, the Valley is not as easy as some people would say. Again, I've, I've said the same thing about the WCC. I think the fact that people bash conferences, I think, is ignorant and, and foolish because you don't know. Because, I'm sorry, some of these conferences are a lot tougher than you think because you have local rivalries, you have kids that are in the same thing. So it's like, I really hate when people diminish an undefeated season just because they're in a lower conference, okay? To win every single game, it is not easy. It's not, no matter where you are, no matter if you're the best team in the country or in the worst conference in the country, it's not easy to do this. If you had to twist my arm and say, three undefeated teams right now, will all three make it? I, I do not believe so. I, I agree with you. The Valley is tough. You and I, Drake, is always a tough matchup between those two. You and I, is always a tough matchup for Drake. They always play each other tough. I, I, I see Drake dropping one, maybe two, max. <clears throat> I think Drake can win the Valley. They can get in the NCAA tournament if they get a good run. Um, I agree with you. I think Gonzaga, if you look at their conference and the way that things are going, they should be able to run the table no matter what. Um, unfortunately, they've had a couple of games postponed. Now they've rescheduled and moved up a game from later in the season to this week so they're not going to lose two games they're only going to lose one um so that's good so they're not sitting twiddling their thumbs for a week uh, unfortunately but i also have heard that coach few is on the phone hoping to maybe sneak in a non-conference game on saturday but we'll see again we don't know with covid and all that i i'm not going to hold my breath um baylor oh they're just so stubborn i don't know um because they're in the Big 12, the, the, the most common answer is yes, just because you're bigger teams, tougher teams. But this Baylor team has, has taken every difficult game that they've had so far with pretty good stride. They're beating Texas yesterday in a game that I think Texas showed a little bit their rust because they did not play on the weekend, uh, in my personal opinion. I, I think Baylor had a relatively e easy matchup with Auburn. Um, so I think... Texas not playing kind of helped them out a little bit too. Um, I am looking forward to this Oklahoma team playing Baylor. I think this, they might be the toughest matchup that they're going to get the rest of this big 12 season. That is potentially the loss. If there is one, that's the loss I potentially see uh, unless they just have a brain fade against a team one week. Well, and then the other wild card about the big 12 is that most of those schools have fans there they're actually allowing some fans into the, into the buildings. So whenever Baylor goes on the road they're, they're they have road games against Oklahoma next Wednesday. 
the following Monday at West Virginia. And then they also have a road game. Oh, at Allen Fieldhouse, which is regardless of how Kansas is doing this year, it's never easy to go into Allen Fieldhouse and come out with a win. So like, like we like we said, Baylor has, has done well in pretty much every big game they've played. Um, it, it's going to be tough going to Lloyd Noble center, going out to West Virginia, going to Lawrence. But I, I think at one point Baylor will slip up, but they, they haven't, they haven't put a foot wrong so far and neither have Gonzaga and to be fair, neither have Drake. So it, it in soccer, we, we like to use the, use the term, you got to do it on a rainy night in Stoke. Mm-hmm. And you, you have to do that in college basketball. It, it is a slog. It, it is a constant cycle of wake up, put in the work, go to these games that you're not, that you're expected to win by 50 or something like that. And even if you end up having a bad night, you got to, you got to buckle down. You, you gotta, you gotta hammer it out. You gotta, you gotta get it done. So I, I hope that Drake can go the whole way unbeaten because that would be so cool. I, I think that Drake, us and us in the Des Moines committee remember when Drake had their really amazing Cinderella season in 2007, 2008 with Adam Emenecker and all those guys. Mm-hmm. I think that, I think that an undefeated season this year would almost top that. I, I think that, and depending on how they do in the tournament, that would be, That'd be just a fantastic, fantastic Iowa sports story. Definitely, for sure. We'll, we'll see. There's, there's so much to left. There's still plenty of basketball. Imagine, imagine if, if things went down to where Drake and Iowa ended up playing in the NCAA tournament. Just imagine the absolute chaos in this state if those two teams ended up playing in the tournament. Oh boy, it would, it would definitely, it would definitely be interesting because you have the, you'd have the sweetheart Drake team that a lot of people would latch on to, and an Iowa team that I think is, has, um. There are so much expectations going into the season. We'll definitely see. You just, you never know. The NCAA tournament is quite interesting. Um, so uh, now that we've kind of went through some of the the big topics of, of this uh, of this last week, um, let's let's go into some some previews. I mean, I think we kind of already we already discussed. I mean, the biggest one coming up tomorrow, since we are recording on Wednesday, is that Iowa Ohio State game. I mean. I I don't know what I don't know what else to say besides Iowa needs to win this if, if they if they want a legitimate shot. Um, I think they can. Um, I think I think they're going to be motivated. I think they they come in with a chance to get a big win to to kind of get some momentum here. Though Michigan State was ugly, um, I think maybe we'll take some confidence. C.J. Frederick is back from his injury, which you could. I hate using excuses for an injury and one guy shouldn't make that much of a difference, but you could definitely tell he was missed a little bit in that Illinois game. But um, if I had to tip, I'm going to tip Iowa on this one, but I think it's going to be close. Do you want to, you want to do any tips or do we want to move on to quite an interesting Saturday? Yeah. I mean, like, like you said, this really is a make it or break it game for the Hawks. And I, I do think that they're going to be up for this game. Um, They, they've been, They've been up for the big games. Uh, they haven't won a couple of them. They mm-hmm. haven't come out on top in a couple of them, but they, they've usually been up for it. They haven't, they haven't gotten really blown out apart from the Indiana game where they just completely went ice cold. So they, they should be able to at least stay in the game. And, and right now they're a five-point five favorite. Uh, I think that they're going to win this game, but I think it's going to be very, very close. I, I think it's going to be a – a heart in mouth game for the, for, 
for Hawkeye fans everywhere. Definitely, for sure. And then, well, let's skip to Saturday. There are no rated teams playing on Friday. And crazy enough, there are three rated, rated matchups on Saturday. The first one kicking off, we got to say, Alabama going on the road to Missouri. That will be one heck of a basketball game. Missouri's kind of an up-and-down team. Alabama kind of coming off that loss to, to Oklahoma. Let's see how they bounce back coming into the weekend. But this is this is definitely a game there. Alabama can separate himself and definitely put themselves in the complete catbird seat in the SEC. Um, and the next one, I'll let you preview this, Brad. KU going to Morgantown and playing West Virginia. Yeah, this is this is a tough one for Kansas. I mean, Kansas has had tough game after tough game after tough game, and unfortunately for them, they have really just not looked good this season at all. I mean, they they've had a couple of decent games here and there, but quite frankly, they I, I really don't see them winning this game. I, I think that West Virginia is going to be able to pull this off. So, like you were saying about tipping, if I had to tip right now, I'd go West Virginia. Um, they, they're coming off of a, a tight win against Iowa State on the road at Hilton, which is always a tough game. But they're also coming off the heels of their loss against Florida, which I think is going to be motivating for them. Because right before that, they went and beat Texas Tech. We, we talked about that on our last pod. So we definitely know that West Virginia are able to win those tight Big Ten games. And I, I think that they're going to use the fuel of the Florida loss mixed with the with the close win against Iowa state, I think they're going to keep slowly progressing back up. I think they're, they're going to beat Kansas and then they're going to have a couple of really big ones coming up after that as well. Definitely for sure. And that's, that's going to be one of those. Kansas needs to rebound their season. They cannot take another loss and put themselves further and further into the situation. If they do have a big 12 tournament of being a very low seed and could, potentially get a tougher team early on uh jumping from that another one it will we'll jump a little bit closer to home over to champaign illinois where illinois hosts wisconsin in a, in a game i think this is really a, a make or break it for wisconsin here if they, if they want to stay in the big town contention illinois is coming off the high of knocking off iowa um i'm i'm going to be very interested to keep an eye on this game because this could be a barometer for since the fact that Iowa still has to play Wisconsin a couple of times. Definitely kind of see who kind of comes out on top of this. Um, Illinois is tough. They, they, they're still continuing to play. Um, I still doubt that they have enough to go very deep. We'll definitely have to see on that one. Um, if I had to tip, I'd probably tip Illinois just because I think Wisconsin is undersized in the long run. Um, they're going to have some issues trying to guarding the, the, the big two that Illinois have down low, but but it's definitely going to be a close one. Uh, looking at it, kind of a non-rated rated one, but I, I, I don't know why I still love to, well, keeping an eye on this team. is Keeping out Texas goes to Stillwater. After the loss against Baylor, this is not an easy game going to Stillwater to play the Oklahoma State Cowboys. I mean, I mean, I will definitely keep an eye on this one because hopefully Cade Cunningham is back for that game. We'll definitely have to see, but that that could be that could be a trap game for Texas there for sure. Uh, there another one on Saturday that you're looking at, Brad? 
Yeah, that I, I was actually going to say that Oklahoma State game. I mean, considering that they, they're coming right off of the win against Arkansas, they also beat Iowa State. And then the game before that, they quite frankly, they really were able to run with Baylor for about 30 minutes of that game. And then they kind of just got, got had Baylor pull away a little bit later in that game. Um, I, I'm also a little bit interested to see whether or not Virginia is able to bounce back. They had, they had a bit of a, bit of a slip up this weekend they 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 only were able to put up 51 on virginia tech and they went down 65 51 so we'll have to see whether or not virginia is able to bounce back they have a game coming up against pittsburgh on saturday which quite frankly they should be able to win but like we've said throughout the course of this season it's, it's been madness it's been chaos and 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 i'm definitely here for it and another normally intriguing game that I think has lost a little bit of its luster because of the the fall from grace is the Tennessee versus Kentucky matchup in Rupp Arena. Normally, this this game would be one that I would be all over, but Kentucky has not been playing well. And Tennessee, even after beating Kansas, they go and lose to Old Miss yesterday. And just yeah, exactly. This Tennessee team is just the I I don't know hide nor hair of or whether I should be impressed with this team or be disappointed. I'm not sure. It's so kind of like Illinois when they're, when they're hot, they're hot, and when they're, they're cold, they're ice cold. Exactly. So that'll be quite an interesting game to see Tennessee play their old rivals, Kentucky, in Rupp Arena, and see if the Vols can 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 uh, keep. Kentucky down and kind of continue to kind of give it to their old staple border rivals and let's hop over to Sunday I mean I know we talked about it the Ohio State game but this one could be just as interesting for the Iowa Hawkeyes they have to go to Bloomington and play Indiana oh boy I mean if I'm Iowa and I can pull off a win against Ohio State I come in this game angry I want to prove a point that that game in Iowa City was nothing but a blip on the radar uh, if I'm it's, the, it's a Andy, nationally it's a I'm, nationally televised game too it's going to be on Fox at 11 o'clock so if, if, there there will be the eyes of the basketball the eyes of the college basketball community will definitely be on that game and that is Super Bowl Sunday too that Super Bowl Sunday will be quite an interesting interesting Sunday but for me if I'm Indiana I am praying that Ohio State beats Iowa just because of the fact that you may get a lackluster Iowa team in that game if they if if they drop that one to Ohio State. If Iowa comes in off a win against Ohio State, not only will they come in confident, but they're going to come in trying to prove a point. So so if I if I'm Indiana a little bit, I'm hoping I'm hoping that the Scarlet and Gray can find a way to beat Iowa, Iowa tomorrow, but we will definitely see uh, hopping over to Big Monday, a couple of interesting ones. You got Oklahoma State going to Fog Allen. Again, Oklahoma State, always a tough team. And then a very intriguing game, especially considering we have that Iowa-Ohio State game, is Ohio State has to go out to Maryland. Maryland, always a tough team. They seem to be finding a way to nip rated teams in the Big Ten a lot this year. So we will definitely have to keep an eye on that we hop over into tuesday back into the big 12 my friend west virginia texas tech after their absolutely insane game in morgantown now we get to redo it in lubbock yep and texas tech coming off of that win against oklahoma earlier this week i have to see if they can keep the momentum going and kind of drive a little bit further trying to get inch inch a little bit closer into the top 10 Definitely, for sure. And, and the rankings might change a little bit. Um, 
yeah, for sure with it with, with with so many of these rated rated matchups now because i am such a great friend i'm going to to let you guys know our podcast will be an extra day late because i want to give brad this nice little gift his beloved oklahoma sooners play baylor next a week from today he wants to watch the game we normally record about the time this game is going to start so i told him that i think we're going to push our podcast back one day so we will be you're a gracious host donnie thank you i i i do what i can i do what i can sir well and then that same night we've got northern iowa coming to nap center to play drake and rutgers playing against iowa so in that span of about three hours we're going to have Oklahoma, Iowa, and Drake all playing at the same time. Yep, and we throw it in too. Also go to the SEC, Florida, Florida versus Tennessee is another rated rated matchup. So that's, I, I, I think it's a great call because it gives us three or four more really good games to talk about next week. But I, I wanted to be sure. So we will be a, a day later uh, next week. Uh, not that it should be a massive problem. We just wanted to preview that. So I think I, I don't know about you, sir, but I think that's all we can really talk about about college basketball let's hop over to europe we'll hop on the plane and go to england we have to talk about the premier league and when we when i when i prepped this episode i was coming off the high of the fact that liverpool had won two consecutive games looking absolutely electric looks like liverpool was back and, and no greet me today with an absolute stinker at home against brighton hove albion brighton hove albion one liverpool nil and i almost hate to say it but the entire topic that i had written down i there was an interview with andy robertson like as we were going to record where he is quoted as saying, I do not believe we are a championship contender this year. So the entire topic, which I had, which I'll tell you guys here is, is are they back in the title race? And I'm just like, Oh, there went that idea. <laughs> yeah. I think you could, you, you, some, some of these headlines that you put into the scripts, Donnie, it, it gets to Wednesday and then you're just like, well, that completely changed. Because he oh, yeah. here's the thing, guys. Because Donnie will usually send out these scripts on Monday or Tuesday, depending on on what he's got going on. And then sometimes when we get to Wednesday, we'll we'll go through our script before we start recording. And I'm like, well, I might not want to do, include that, or maybe this changed. Because there there are definitely a couple of topics in football that have that have definitely come up since he sent the script. Definitely so, for sure. I but yeah, definitely going don't going off of of Liverpool. Um, it's really unfortunate for them that this is happening because there there are several things that have happened that have completely derailed their season, mainly the injuries to the to their defenders, and that's been kind of kind of dealt with in signing Ben Davies in the transfer window. But this this is a Liverpool team that they just seem out of sync. They they, they definitely don't seem like they're able to transition all of the aspects of the field up into scoring goals and it it's unfortunate for them and it's always tough when you when you have to cycle through so many center backs i actually found this and this isn't my crazy stat of the week but they've right. gone sure Liber- seems like it <laughs> yeah liverpool have gone through 16 different center back pairings in in this season and the normal one we would think of is joe joe gomez and virgil van dyke and They've only played 300 minutes together this season. Mm-hmm. The, the 
the most common pairing has been Joel Matip and Fabinho, and they've only played 555 minutes, which is the equivalent of about six games. Yep. They've the played cra- 22. And the crazy part about Fabinho is he's a center defensive mid. He's not even a center back. Exactly. <laughs> so, and the crazy part about it is you say that 16 now, and that's before they signed two center backs in the, in, the, in this latest transfer window, including getting a, a kid from Schalke on loan. So I, I think those pairing numbers might go up a few more before the end of the season. Definitely. It's just I I I watched the first half I watched the first half of this game first and I had a few other things and we had the podcast recordings had to get a few things together but the first half it just looked like Brighton and Hove Albion structure behind the football just really bothered Liverpool they could they could not get it out to their set to their to their fullbacks to be able to use their crossing ability and it's just the 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 connection between back line to front line was just not in sync. It really seemed disjointed. It really seemed kind of out of sync. I kind of agree with you. This is is a Liverpool team. Honestly, I think they kind of need to make sure that they get into the champions league spots because I think the championship, unless man city starts to fall apart. I mean, as we speak right now, it is a seven point gap. Now, Case in point, and I and I hate saying this after what we kind of just kind of just discussed. They do still have two games against Man City, and we are within a week of European football coming back, which I think you and I both look at each other and smile because they were really looking forward. It's a, it's a constant slow head nod. Exactly for sure. So so this is going to get more interesting for some of the more elite teams in Europe when it comes to it now having midweek games. Let me just mid-week. go through let me just go through Liverpool's next game. Next four games. Home against Manchester City in the league. On the road against Leicester in the league on the road against RB Leipzig in the Champions League, and that one is still up in the air due to border restrictions for COVID. Mm-hmm. And then after that, home against, oh, just no big deal, Everton, Merseyside Derby, no big yeah. deal. So if you look at it, there are three of their next four games are against top six sides as we speak in the EPL and a top two side in the German Bundesliga. These two young center, but these two center backs that come in are literally being thrown from the pan into the fire, but we'll, we'll see. Um, it, it'll definitely see how it goes. These are three games that if they win them, they, they put themselves back in the opportunity, but today's loss definitely, definitely makes their chances of winning a title that much more difficult, especially with a absolutely insane game against Manchester city this weekend and uh, almost a perfect transition. I mean, is there any way you see Liverpool winning this game or is, or is this this a Manchester City's game to win? The game this weekend they can maybe squeak it out. I mean we've seen them do it time and time again over the past couple of years that they've been able to either push Man City to the brink or completely just destroy them. So if anybody can beat Manchester City right now it's Liverpool. I, I, I think that they have the star power there at their disposal to be able to win but City is the team in form right now. And I, it's really difficult to to sit here with a straight face and say that Manchester City aren't going to be able to win and win convincingly. I, I think that Manchester City, they're healthy. They've got, they've got the players that they need. They're, they're in form, as I was just saying. And I think that it's their title to lose right now. They've got the game in hand on United. And if they were to win the game in hand, they would go up to, to a six-point gap 
So right now with the fact that Liverpool are sputtering, Manchester United are sputtering, Leicester City are kind of hit or miss as are West Ham and Everton. So really right now, I think that it's Manchester City's title to lose. If I had to bet right now, I'd say a one, one draw this, this weekend. Um, I, I think that Liverpool have a goal in them, whether it's, whether it's from Salah, Firmino, or I mean, hell today we saw Jardin Shakiri on the left, on the left mid. So it, it'll be, in a, it'll be very, very interesting to see how Liverpool go out, what, what their what their setup looks like, what kind of a center back pairing they have, whether or not they're going to throw Ben Davies straight in, whether or not they're going to be able to get 90 minutes out of both Robertson and Alexander Arnold and whether Tiago and Jeannie Vinaldum and Milner and all those guys are going to be able to execute at a high level. So it's really, really tough for Liverpool. I'd, I'd love to see a bit, a bit more of a challenge there, but right now I, I really don't see, any team being able to contend with Manchester City, especially considering the fact that the second Liverpool City game is going to be at the Etihad. Mm-hmm. And and I, I really don't see any team being able to go there and take three points off of City right now. Yeah, definitely, for sure. And, and crazy, as, as we are speaking, ESPN just put out a notification basically saying what, what I kind of said. This is, this is a must-win for Liverpool if they want to stay in the title race. Anything other than three points, it's over. I mean, if you're Manchester City, if you're Pep Guardiola, you would love to go into Anfield, get a 1-1, nil-nil draw, walk out of there. You will be grinning because you know there's one less game for Liverpool to get points. You've still got your home game against Liverpool later on in the year. So, And that, and that kind of, and that kind of a win. draw, that kind of a draw for Liverpool would just – it would it would be depleting. I mean, it wouldn't give you the boost that you need, mm-hmm. the mental boost that you need to go and support you through the rest of the season. So right now, Liverpool, like you were saying, they need to focus on getting top four, and they, they really need to focus on being able to put out a quality team against Leipzig because that, that – I remember one of our first podcasts, we were previewing the draws – and we'll probably pre- preview them in our next podcast a little bit more in depth when, once we get into those games again. But it, it's going to be a very, very difficult game for Liverpool to go, especially to the Red Bull Arena, and be able to take take a result off of Leipzig. Well, unfortunately, with the new board, with the new border things, and we can discuss a little bit more. I, I have a I have a sinking feeling that this game is going to have to be played outside of Germany if they want to play it. I hate saying it, yeah. but with the border saying that nobody from England, no, no English teams are going to be able to go into, into Germany. I'm, I'm interested to see if, if what's going to end up happening is they're going to have to play this at a neutral. They're going to have to play this at a neutral site to get it in. Uh, if, if they want to play uh, this game, which I mean, you could almost say since the RB, since RB Leipzig has the Red Bull connection, do you think they could play it in Austria? Do you think they could play it at, um, Oh shoot! Uh, the Red Bull in Austria. Can't remember Salzburg. Yep, Salzburg. If they could maybe play it at Salzburg, so at least at least they would still be in a Red Bull connected arena potentially. But we'll have to see. There's still a few things to come up, but we can discuss that a little bit next time. Uh, looking at it, there's actually um, a few really good games coming up before this weekend. After we record tomorrow, a very very intriguing game of two teams that are both struggling right now and are both looking for a little bit of a rebound. Spurs, a host Chelsea. Uh, so that will be quite an interesting game. I mean, all due respect, Jose Mourinho is looking more and more like uh, 
Tottenham may have uh, jumped the gun with that particular managerial um, hire, but uh, I don't want to say my particular <laughs> opinions on that particular manager, shall we say. He is not exactly on my world's favorite manager list. We'll say it that way. Neither, neither is he with mine. He, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll just move on and Saturday. <laughs> slowly move away, move we'll away. Slowly move away, move away. And another interesting, another interesting matchup. Uh, a couple of top teams, Manchester United, after their 9 0 win over Southampton. Uh, How about that? Yeah, that was that was insane. But Southampton had that happen against Leicester City. I, I don't know whether it's Southampton has an anniversary where they go, well, we got to lose nine to nothing to make sure we keep it up. I don't know. The so, the annual drubbing. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. So, so, but we'll go Manchester United host Everton in, in, in another really good game. Another uh, top or top level of the, of the, of the, of the EPL um, Sunday. We already discussed it. Liverpool man city, but a couple of interesting ones. Wolverhampton hosts Leicester city as well that day. Um, and, the last game of the week always an intriguing matchup Leeds United is is very they're an anomaly they're an enigma that I just I can't put my finger on this team but they're they're, they're so interesting they're like kind of like a car wreck you don't want to look but you just got <laughs> well I'll tell you what's what was really funny was last week we had a big snowstorm in Iowa and I and I took the day off of work because of the snowstorm and it, it was kind of fun because it was Newcastle versus Leeds and the second half of that game featured goals from former MLS player Miguel Miron and mm-hmm. former MLS player Jack Harrison. Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh, this is really nice to see the MLS influence on this game. But yeah, leads are, leads are really tricky because they went and got a 3-1 win at Leicester City at the King Power. And then they come home to Ellen Road and lose 2-1 to Everton. So it's, it's really strange when you're looking at leads and you're seeing – results like that and and it's kind of kind of just fits the theme of the covid crazy season we have in sports Definitely and not not sure. just in the premier league oh but but the good thing you got to give it to is leeds united is such a big club they've been out of out of out of the epl for so long i mean they're kind of like I, I mean i hate to draw the connection sheffield united was the same way they were the darling they were the darling call up that had a good season that are that are looking at making sure to to stay up for another year it just my biggest thing is can they repeat the process next year and stay in the ml stay stay in the epl long enough to to maybe start getting them back into contention for the the upper half and the european places i mean this is this is a club that a lot of people wanted to see back in the in the in the english premier league so to see and, I, and I think it's good for, and it's good for the epl to see see leads back and to see them for in sure. mid table right now i mean they hey they've got a game in hand and they're two points behind arsenal yep. they can pull off a they can pull off a result there. They're above Arsenal and they're up to uh, up to the tenth spot. And the there best, you go. And the best part is they have a nice little lead over the over the relegation zone, so they're nowhere near it. So that the, they don't have to worry about being anywhere close. So that's kind exactly. of exactly. Nice. Um, England, I love you so much, but um, we have another love. We have another loved league in this, and I got to I got to do it, my buddy. Here we got to go to Germany. We got to talk Das Bundesliga. What's what's been going on? What's been going on in the Rhineland? Well, we we had our our big one for me at least was Bayern getting a revenge victory against Hoffenheim. They were able to win four one there, and it, it's kind of interesting how Bayern play Hoffenheim. They get the four one win, 
And then this week on deadline day, Bayern Munich send young United States international center back Chris Richards on loan to Hoffenheim. And I, I think that that's great for Chris to be able to get a bit of match match fitness in with Hoffenheim in a top league in against several very good opponents and Hoffenheim they're they're right now they're in 12th place they're they're not necessarily in a direct relegation battle so it's it's going to be good for him to not feel the the pressure of trying to keep a, a team in the Bundesliga and it's going to be good for him to be able to get some really really good match experience um, some other results that were really big was Union and Mönchengladbach had a 1-1 draw there it's a that's been a couple of teams that have really been pushing for those lower Champions League and Europa League spots. 1-1 there was the final there. And Bruce Dortmund, 3-1 win over Augsburg with goals from Delaney and Sancho there. So right now the table, it, it's still holding firm Bayern with a seven-point lead. But Eintracht Frankfurt mm-hmm. are climbing up slowly. They're now up to fourth. They're in that last Champions League spot at the moment. And Dortmund are down all the way to sixth with Gladbach and Union directly below them. So mm-hmm. it, it, the madness and the, the intensity of the Bundesliga just does not stop. And luckily, we're going to have a couple of big games this weekend. The one that I'm really going to be looking forward to is Freiburg versus Dortmund and Leverkusen versus Stuttgart. Those are going to be the ones that I'm going to be really interested in. Definitely, for sure. Um... The German Bundesliga is it's one of those. Unfortunately, it's so top-heavy. But this year, seeing Wolfsburg and Eintracht Frankfurt there in three and four above Leverkusen, Dortmund, Mönchengladbach, and Union Berlin, it's you're going to have a nice little run run to the end of this to see just the Champions League spots could be quite entertaining to see who's, who's, who's going to be in Europe and then who's going to be in some of the lower, maybe potentially the Europa League. So um, anything else for us in Germany or do we want to hop on? Cause we got to go to Spain and talk a couple yeah, of very I, big topics. There, There's a couple of really interesting topics coming out of Spain and one, especially that I'm going to kind of talk about here to start um, that maybe non non football fans got got to got to kind of see a little bit is the leaking of the contract of one Lionel Messi and let's just say that it was quite quite the large sum of money that it was revealed that he's being paid um not not much only 671 million dollars over 4 years and, and to put that into comparison, the Patrick Mahomes contract that was negotiated over the past offseason before the NFL this year, it, it, it's a, is it, was it 12 years or is it, or is it 10? I think, it's yeah, I think it was, I think it was a 12 year contract in total worth about 500 million. Mm-hmm. So more money for less than half of the time. A third. A third of the total years, and he is making six tenths of a billion dollars dude that's that's that is so crazy to think that a guy that uh, uh, anybody regardless of how good the player is 670 million dollars for four years i mean what that's that's around like 160 170 million per year mm-hmm. i mean there there are football contracts there are american football contracts that you see guys agreeing to like five-year, $150 million deals for top-level players. 
Leo Messi's making that in a year. Mm-hmm. Dude, that that's insane. It, I mean, when when you saw that, what was when you saw that dollar figure? What was your what was your reaction to that? Uh, uh, there's two rea- there's two reactions. There's one is what idiot leaked this contract? I mean, I, right? I, I hate saying it. What idiot leaked this contract? Because this this does nothing nothing good for the club at all. It does not make the club look smart. It, it messy. Honestly, this could be the proverbial straw on the camel's back that ends Lionel Messi's magnificent run in Barcelona. It is sad to see, but this thing has just been an absolute train wreck for a year. My initial reaction to the figure, holy crap. It, it was fish your jaw off the floor and reel but, it back in. But, but. And, and I say this, and I say this as, as respectfully to the normal, everyday human being. If there's one man that deserves that sum of money per year, it is Lionel Messi. The man is, for me, again, opinions, everybody's got one, okay? For me, this man is one of the best to ever put on a pair of cleats and play football. Bar- I'll take you one step further. Bar- the, the, discl- the disclaimer at the top, disclaimer, these are opinion-based. This is me. Lionel Messi is the best player of all time. I, I will take it that one step further. I'll say Lionel Messi is the best player of all time, and and you're right. He He is the one who deserves that type of figure. But yeah, I'll let, I'll let you get back to what you were saying. There, there's only one other footballer currently that, that, that is playing football right now. That's even come close to those figures. And that's uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. It's the only other person other than that. Correct. That is stupid money. I mean, that is absolutely stupid money. As you said, he's making 160 million per year. That is more than some of these NFL contracts in five. So that just shows you, but again, European European football is a huge money maker. It brings in billions of dollars because billions of people watch it. That's just on and then that contract's not even taking into account the endorsements that he has mm-hmm. with companies like Adidas, Pepsi, Lay's, all of these different companies. Just uh, I would love to be his financial advisor and just see and just just go through his his accounts and just just deal with all that his his agent his agent is probably making so much money from signing that contract because if the agent fees are just got to be ridiculous i mean his agent his agent's probably a multi-millionaire just by signing one contract but we'll we'll, we'll digress Uh, i i i will i will i will reel it back just a tiny bit i'm thoroughly disappointed that the club let this happen um there there are rumors there there is no specific person that they've been able to pinpoint I, I hate saying it. A few, a few of the main culprits that you could say is somebody in the club or Bartomeu, the former president. One of those two are the most likely um, to have done this. I, I don't want to cast stones because I don't know. But if if one of them did, it's thoroughly disappointing that they could be so petty as to do this. Um, if I'm Lionel Messi, I'm seriously, seriously, seriously thinking about leaving Madrid to go anywhere just because it is an absolute cluster bar none. So, so 
I, I don't want to talk about that anymore because it has nothing to do with on the field. It's it's purely an agreement between two people that was thoroughly, thoroughly trashed on, and I feel so sad for him. Lionel Messi is far too good a player to deserve that type of treatment. But okay, so now we'll we'll go to kind of more on the field, even though not really completely on the field. And Zinedine Zidane, another atrocious loss. Um, is his seat getting warmer, or am I, or, or would me, myself, and I, as the coach, underreacting to another horrible loss for such a <laughs> storied club? Yeah, I Real Madrid just in general this year. Yeah, you, know, you said it earlier has been a cluster, and so I, I think that. As much as Zidane, I think, loves having the title of Real Madrid manager, I, I don't think that he is. I don't think that he is as invested in it as he was a couple of years ago when he was winning title after title after title. Um, and, and I think that some of the players have let him down too. I, I think that that squad in general is just aging to the point where they're going to need to get rid of several key pillars of that organization, the likes of Ramos is getting old, Modric is getting old. Um, they've already offloaded Gareth Bale, but you got to wonder how much longer does Karim Benzema have and guys like Marcelo and all these different guys who have been with the club throughout the entirety of the, the Decima era of Real Madrid. So I think that the next 12 months are going to be very crucial to the future of the club. And, and I think that it starts with Zidane. And I I think that, I think he will get to finish out the rest of this season, but I don't think that, I don't think that he's going to be their manager next year. I think they're going to look to look to somebody else. Um, And then I think they're going to end up getting rid of several foundation players the likes of the ones that i just mentioned so the the if you're a real madrid fan right now get a good look while you can because in six to 12 months this team is going to be very very different in in many ways so it'll be very very interesting right now they're sitting in third they're they're firmly right now in a Champions League spot. They're, they've got a game in hand on Villarreal, Sociedad, and Betis, who are fifth, sixth, and seventh, respectively, trying to get into that fourth spot. So I think that right now they should be fine to get into Champions League play next year. But then you also have to take into account that they're going to be playing a very tricky Atalanta team in the round of 16. And then who knows after that if they get further – um, but I, I would definitely not think that they are a, a contender either. Definitely not in the in the league this year, and really not not thinking that they're going to be a, a chance at all to win the Champions League at all. Definitely for sure, and it's just unfortunately his his role winning three Champions League in a role is is quickly going to be forgotten. Unfortunately, at a club like Real Madrid, where winning is an expectation. Um, it, it's sad again, but it, it is a risk you take as a, as a as a great of the club to take over as a manager because what you do in the past sometimes can be for completely forgotten. Um, and it's nothing against anybody else; it's just that's just the the nature of the beast. Um, 
Yeah, I think I, I think going off of that, I I think that to Zidane's credit, I I think that winning three Champions Leagues will will keep you in the good spirits in the in good spirits with the with the club faithful in the long run. Uh, I think that there's going to be a little bit of time where they look back, where the fans look back for the next couple of years or something. Uh, what could have been if this, that, and that happened or, or whatever, or this decision was made or not made or whatever. But I, I think that it, it was kind of interesting when we look back on the fact that Zidane left when he did, mm. and then immediately it showed that, well, well, the combination of him leaving, Cristiano leaving, and the whole saga with, with Lopetegui, and the whole whole situation that ensued after that. So I think luckily for Zidane, just the amount, the sheer amount that he's won, I think can can kind of save his spirits with the club in the long run. I, I think that there will be a, a short period of time where, where fans might not be happy with them, just considering the fact that they may not have won a couple of more in the last couple of years, but... I, I think that Zidane is safe in that aspect. Definitely, for sure. And then kind of a perfect transition. We go from one mighty powerhouse that's also had some struggles to another. We'll hop on the plane. We'll head over to Italy. And, I mean, I, I think I said it last week, and I'm going to continue to say it again. This is another make-it-or-break-it week for Juventus if they want to be anywhere near the Scudetto title. And this week they got the perfect opportunity facing Roma. I mean, is this another one, almost a win, uh, almost a must win if Juventus want to stay in the Scudetto opportunity? I think this is a must win for Juventus and a must win for Roma. Um, I mean, both of these teams, they're sitting third and fourth, Roma and Juve respectively. And right now they are both looking up at both of the Milan teams right now. AC Milan are at 46 points, Inter at 44. And a win for either of these teams would put them directly right behind Inter, nipping at their heels. And it's going to make for a very interesting final run-in, given the fact that we've mentioned Inter, they're, they're trying to hold on, and AC Milan are trying to trying to balance out the fact that they're going to be going into European games and trying to maintain their, their spot on top of Serie A. So, yeah, I think that this is a must win game for either Roma or Juventus. And I think that's just going to make it even, even that much better. I think that this is This has the potential to be a classic Ronaldo hat trick game to send them on their way or a, Roma have risen from their ruins type of moment for them. So I, I th- this could be a very, very big game. And I think that this could be a goal fest if it, if it shapes up the way I'm hoping that it will. Yeah. And definitely for sure. I mean, seven points isn't insurmountable, but another, another loss, even with that game in hand only makes it that much harder. And the fact that Juventus as well also has European play inter inter, like I said, inter sitting in a catbird seat right now, they're only two points back, but they don't have any European play. Uh, Roma, this is, I mean, this is a chance to put yourself back into the elite of Italian football. And I think the, the, their tactician as their manager has been playing really, really well. I mean, this this could be one of those. It puts Roma potentially even in the title, even in the title 
um, discussion if you you knock off Juventus here. So I, I completely agree. This is this is an absolutely dynamic game in in Italy, and I'm I'm thoroughly looking forward to this one. I mean. It is an 11 o'clock start time on Saturday here. I, I may actually see if I can watch this game because this is this this could be Italy's best. This could be them putting up quite a dandy of a game. Um, that's for fun. Who do you, who do you got in this? I can't I can't go wrong with picking Juventus in this game. I I want to pick Roma. I, I've I've always enjoyed watching the the special Roma wins over the past couple of years, especially the Champions League one against Barcelona and them them constantly being a threat. But uh, I think that Cristiano consistently performing at peak level, and I, I think that Juventus are are finding themselves and truly finding the the way that they want to play under Pirlo. So I, I think that. I think that this is going to be it, – it's going to be a goal fest, I think. It's going to be a 3-2 win for Juventus. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This this one screams to me defensive game. I don't know why. I, I, I Roma, with the tactician, the tactics and different stuff like that, you just – they're going to have to play good, solid defensive football, maybe hope to hit them on the counterattack. I don't know. Part of me – I don't know why this feels like a one-one draw to me. Like I, I feel like Roma, Roma's going to try to go into go into Juventus. They're going to try to get a point out of it, just because at this point, keeping Juventus behind a one-one, you don't lose anything. You stay ahead of them. Um, I don't know. I'm going to go for a one-one draw. I know it's kind of anticlimactic after we were talking goal fest and a must-win, but I, I don't know. I am. I'm going to lead to the one-one draw here. Uh, Italy, unfortunately, does not have a ton of really massive games. Unfortunately, the, the league is, is kind of – you're getting a lot of the lower teams playing some of the bigger teams. So I think we will we'll hop back over here to the States. We'll hop onto the ice, hop onto the NHL. And um, if you don't mind, I'll take the first 10 seconds of this wanting to scream because COVID is starting to really irk me off with so many of these games getting canceled, including my Buffalo Sabres having two cases, and now they're sitting for a week. Ugh. So I don't know. Just let me get that out. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is a therapy group. It's okay. Uh, we'll be good. We'll be good. No. Um, oh, man. You just I look I look at this and, and – each division has got its intrigues, but I think you and I were talking before camera, the central division, we were talking about how close it was going in. And it's like this, this division is so weird because you pointed out the fact that games played the teams with lower games played are the four top teams in the central Carolina, Florida, Dallas, Tampa combined seven, six, seven, seven, but they have 12, 11 and 12 and 11 points. Chicago, Nashville, and Detroit have played 11, 9, or 10 games, and they have 6, 8, 10. <laughs> yep, that's, that, that, that makes sense, right? Let oh, fewer games geez. played, more points. That, that adds up, right? Uh, it, just show, it just shows you that the teams are less played are winning their hockey games, unfortunately, considering Carolina. Yeah, I mean, I mean listen to this. Six, six, wins, six wins, five wins, five wins, five wins. 
So yeah, that that central uh, like division seven is, games, is six truly games, wacky. Seven games, seven games. It's just yeah. they're 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 winning to, and they'll start playing each other, and they'll start playing each other, and we'll start evening out. But this is it was just I remember you pointing it out, and I looked at it, and I was like, wow, that is so interesting. But um, I'll go I'll go to it. Um, the Cinderella team in the North is still going, and they've got a one point lead in the conference. Montreal, I mean. Just a real quick contender, pretender. I mean, I, I'm starting to fall onto the Canadian bandwagon. They're they're playing some good hockey, and they've got the league's leading goal scorer so far with Tyler Toffoli on nine goals too. Yep, definitely for sure. It's just uh, we'll we'll have to see. There's there's still a lot of hockey left to be played. Again, we're, we're still so early. No team has played more than ten game. No, no more than eleven games. So a lot of these conferences, there's still so many four point games. And the fact that every game is a conference game, so everything is worth four points. Um, I'm just I'm just enjoying it. Like I said, it just really sucks that Buffalo's not playing. Uh, been keeping an eye on it the, the central looks quite interesting just with the fact you've got so many except for calgary and ottawa you've got a lot of teams in there that, that looks like there's at least five teams vying for the playoffs there go out west uh, um, st louis has found a way to get on top but they're tied with colorado just a lot of these conferences that you're starting to kind of see the separate you're kind of starting to see the separation between the haves and have-nots. I mean, the Central, it looks Detroit's going to be the whipping boy, unfortunately. Nashville, surprisingly, is down there at the bottom. Chicago is now only two places out of the playoffs. Um, not to get your hopes up there, Brad. But Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, it's still early. still early. You never know. Yeah. You never know. But Yeah, I, um, I will say, I think, I think most of I, – I think that – if I'm remembering correctly, and I might, I might be off a little bit here, but I, I think that I've got, I think I've got 14 out of my 16 playoff picks right at the moment. I know there's still 60 games left to play, but at least starting off, I think the only ones that I, that I'm wrong with are Montreal, who have been a bit of a, bit of a surprise. But to be fair, they've played half of their games against Vancouver, who themselves are below the line, mm-hmm. and Minnesota, who are at 12 points right now, six wins out of 11 played. So yeah. I think right now it's, it's shaping up kind of in the, in the way that I was thinking it would um, Winnipeg and Edmonton are hanging around in the North um, Philadelphia and Washington are bossing the East right now. And then the, 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 the few, the seven gamers right now are, are controlling the central Carolina, Florida, Dallas, and Tampa. So those guys are going to get to, to get going to get to playing each other. Sorry if I can actually speak, but and then the Blues and the Golden Knights and the Avalanche are hanging around up top in the West. So yeah, right now it's it's shaping up kind of in the way that I thought it would. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the playoff teams, if I remember correctly, I think I've I think I've got thirteen thirteen of the sixteen teams that I was pretty I was pretty sure were, were good potential playoff teams. The three that I that I have had in that aren't currently Nashville, Vancouver, and I think it was Arizona was the other one um, that I, that I, I had heard a lot of good things for, but again, a lot of hockey left to be played. Definitely. Uh, some, some goals of the year, some, some great games. Again, it's like, 
I don't know. I just I really hope that some of these teams can get the get their ish together so we can stop having COVID games getting canceled. It's very, very frustrating, especially when you want to watch your games, but unfortunately it happens. So yeah. Oh, this is just another great conversation, sir, but we gotta go to it. I, I gotta find out what is your crazy stat of the week. Well, we were talking a little bit earlier about the Blue Bloods of college basketball, and specifically we were talking about Kentucky. And I think it doesn't take, it doesn't take an expert to see Kentucky is not doing well this year. Their, their program has been through the ringer. They've had COVID postponements. They've only won five games. They lost a, they lost a chance to be able to get back on a winning track this weekend against a really tough Texas team. So – they're not doing well at all. Their alumni in the NBA have been doing pretty well recently. And they had a really strange occurrence where on, on Monday, so just two days ago on the day we're recording, seven Kentucky Wildcat alumni scored 20-plus points in NBA games. De'Aaron Fox had 38, Malik Monk had 36, Anthony Davis 25, Keldon Johnson 25, Devin Booker 24, Bam Adebayo 23, and Julius Randle 23. And that right there is the most 20-point games by players from a single college on any single day in NBA history. That is insane. Wow. That's that's a cool little stat there, and kind of throwing it out there with give Kentucky a little bit of love after unfortunately yeah. not having the greatest year in the world. But uh, again, the Calipari's put a lot of one and doneers in, so you just never know. So, well, you want to end this end this podcast on a bit of a shock. We've just had a top five team go down. Houston has just lost to East Carolina, eighty-two to seventy-three. Oh, don't we love these absolutely awesomely timed up the up the chaos? This is perfect. Upsets. Oh man, this is absolutely, and and we don't even get to talk about it next week. Darn it! Well, that's okay. (laughs) It's always good to get some breaking news. We had the Oklahoma transfer from Tennessee last week. This week we get top five team goes down while we're talking which is absolutely awesome and then to add to it guess what i see nashville for four minnesota wild games have been postponed due to covid protocols oh yeah <laughs> so going complete backtrack of what we were saying just five minutes ago oh man we just this is the best part about having some of these notifications and timing you, you gotta podcast. love living in the age of technology when when just oh. when you think you have everything sorted out and then boom something crazy cannot time it any better well brad this has been another amazing conversation uh thank you again so much for hopping on you you've been a godsend uh to all our fans out there again we are on all of the normal podcasting things apple google podcast stitcher anything of those please go out and take a look at us we really appreciate it we're trying to spread the word of sport as much as possible um we thoroughly enjoy every listen that we get we, we we're, we're not doing this because we're getting paid we're doing this because we enjoy talking sport we're going to keep continuing to do this uh brad you got anything else to say sir I think you wrapped it up pretty well, Donnie. Thank you, everybody who's listening. Keep keep spreading the word. Keep listening. We we love coming on. We love chatting sports with you. So thanks for watching. Hope we'll see you next week. Another awesome edition of Coach Hess's Sports Corner. You all have a great weekend. Take care of yourself, and we will see you next week.